Whether you're a professional athlete or a seasoned corporate executive, it is easy to enjoy a lifestyle where a paycheck is calling all the shots. But is that sustainable forever? Welcome to Tell Your Boss I Quit with Pete Gutekunst, founder of Good Financial Services and financial planner with Raymond James. Pete helps you financially bridge from the journey you've started through the life goals you've imagined. Sooner or later, by force or by choice, life takes turns. Listen as Pete discusses how to take charge and make your move on your terms with confidence. Your goal is to invest your assets so they increase in value. And you have succeeded. Then along come taxes and capital gains. Pete Gutekunst is here with a guest to explain what that means to your bottom line. Yes. Hello, and welcome back to Tell Your Boss I Quit. And tax season is over for most of us, unless you filed an extension, I suppose. And it's not too early to start thinking about next year's taxes and, and preparing and just looking back and seeing uh, what caused things to happen a year ago and how you can be better prepared for next year. In fact, we touch on taxes in Chapter 6 and Tell Your Boss I quit. And with me today is my associate uh, and fellow certified financial planner, Brian Henderson. And Brian, let's just talk a little bit about the, ty the, the types of uh, taxes investors pay and what they can expect to, in ways to maybe mitigate and prepare for that. So if you could just kind of give us uh, what, what are the different types of income, and we'll talk a little bit about how they're taxed. Yeah, certainly. Thanks, Pete. And thanks for the introduction. Um, so to start, one of the more important things that we want to think about is what qualifies as ordinary income. And these sources are plentiful. There's many different ways that people are incurring taxable ordinary income. I think some of the most common sources would be earned income, uh, or if someone is a business owner, it would be your uh, income that you would receive as being you know, owner and operator of the business. Uh, but in addition to that, there's a lot of, of other things that people may forget about as well. Um, certainly short-term capital gain. So if you buy an asset and sell it within a uh, one-year time span, then that actually qualifies as ordinary income, which we'll talk about the difference between that and capital gains. Okay. Uh, in addition to that, also there is uh, interest income. So if you hold a bond and you get paid an interest payment on that, that would be income. Uh, and then outside of that, social security or pension, something along those lines, or taxable ordinary income, um, as well as any distributions that you take from an IRA or a pre-tax uh, 401k. Sure, like a traditional IRA. And that's, you know, you've told your boss, I quit, and you're not getting a paycheck any longer. So maybe you're getting your money from your retirement plan. And you could have that invested the exact same way as stocks and bonds and cash like you do any other investment. But since it's in that IRA wrapper, uh, those sales inside of it don't become taxable, only the distributions when you make a withdrawal. And like I said, that's, that's ordinary income. And, and if you haven't told your boss I quit, then the primary source, like you said, is, is that, regular, that regular income uh, you know, that, that's coming in. And so this is what we've we deal with a lot of folks will come in and uh, they've got new income sources as part of that. And, uh, and so what we're looking at is, well, if I, if I have more income, aren't I going to be in a, you know, in a much bigger, bigger tax bracket? And so that's really, I think, when you talk about ordinary income, because you touched on capital gains, but when you talk about ordinary income, what we mean is income that's going to be taxed at ordinary income tax rates. And that's why we make that 
that distinction there. So we have different uh, income tax brackets, but you're not taxed at that highest bracket, right, Brian? You, you're you're kind of walking through a series of uh, levels of income that build up to that ultimately your highest bracket. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I kind of picture it in my mind as almost a waterfall. I think sometimes that if you think about different uh, buckets, if you fill up the first bucket, then it's going to spill over into the second bucket and so on and so forth. And a lot of people don't realize this, but the first portion of your income is taxed at a specific rate. And as you go higher and higher in your earnings or in your taxable income, you then fill up those other buckets. But that doesn't mean that just because you get past one bucket that all of your income is then taxed at that next rate, it's actually just the amount that's above and beyond that initial bucket there. So I think that that is an important thing uh, to be thinking about. A lot of times people will say, oh, well, I'm in the 22% bracket or I'm in the 24% bracket. And they think that all of their income is being taxed at that rate. But when you look at it, that's actually not the case. There's what's called your marginal tax rate, which yes, you may be up into that 22 or 24% bracket on the last dollar that you make, but your effective rate or what your total average tax rate could actually be um, significantly less than that, depending on what that total amount is. So there is an important delineation to make there. And that that effective tax rate, that's really important. When we sit down and are planning with or, in, or trying to educate people on how to prepare for their taxes, that's the number you really want to focus in on is you know, if that number is 15, if it's 20%, that seems to be a manageable number for most people. And when we start to, you know, get up into the higher brackets and we're spent and we're paying more and more tax at those higher levels, that's an area where we want to really start to do some you know, preparation and, and some planning. So I'll tell you what I did, Brian, before, before we got on, I was just playing around with an example of what you just said. So someone who had, say, 205, actually, if I want to be specific, they had $204,050. These are the numbers that the IRS has these funny tax brackets, like you said. So I just said that in 2022, you took your standard deduction, which would be 259. Um, so the taxable income for that person would be $178,150. And the reason I wanted to back into that number is you were mentioning the 22 and the 24% bracket. That person is all the way through uh, the uh, 10, the 12, the 22% bracket. And to your waterfall example, the next dollar they earn is going to be in that 24% bracket. So only that next dollar they earn at that point would be taxed at 24%. But if we look at someone who's at 178,000 of taxable income, and we tax some of it at 10, 12, 22, and 24, the actual tax on that is more like $30,000, about $30,500. So that's about 15% of the starting point of 205, or maybe about 17% of the total taxable amount. So that's what you're talking about, the effective rate. And so they're not if they had gone into the 24% bracket, all of a sudden their taxes didn't change. It was just that last dollar would have been taxed you know, by 24, 24 cents. So that's a good point. We really want to look, look at, at how, do we, how do we manage that. And, and then the other thing that you talked about when you were talking about different kinds of income. So that's our ordinary income. That's money that's coming out of the IRA and your paycheck. Then we also have capital gains. And capital gains do not land on that bracket. They don't land in that waterfall like you talked about. So what are capital gains? How do people uh, receive capital gains? And, and uh, let's talk a little bit about how they're taxed. 
Yeah, sure. And I just want to touch back on that last example real quick. So the numbers that you gave where we had the 15% on $178,000 of income, um, that's for a married filing jointly uh, couple there. So that's also an important thing to think about too, is how you are filing. If you were a single filer, then your brackets are different levels or different amounts of that income that's earned. Whereas someone that's filing uh, as a married uh, couple, then they would be subject to a different bracket as far as how those percentages play out. So yeah. that's all part of the planning process and all part of you know the uh, the important numbers that are going in when you're doing the tax planning. Absolutely. I appreciate you chiming in like that. You get on a roll and you start talking about things and you got to clarify. And that's, uh, that's a great point. So those numbers would be different if you were filing single uh, versus married. My example was uh, married filing jointly. Uh, but in either case, so once we're into these brackets and we're, we're kind of canoeing through these waterfalls or that you're talking about, well, let's talk about capital gains. What are they? Yeah, surely. So uh, capital gains are a little bit different than regular ordinary earned income. Uh, and there's different types of capital gains in addition to that. So earlier we mentioned that one type of a capital gain is a short-term capital gain. So that's something that you own, you hold it for less than a 12-month time period, so less than a year. And if you sell it- so This is property. This is stocks, bonds, real estate, any capital asset, right? Yeah, certainly. Exactly. That's Mm -hmm. exactly right. So if you held it for less than 12 months, then you're going to be looking at an ordinary income uh, from that capital gain. So even though it's not earned income, it's taxed as if it were. On the other end of that spectrum there, there are uh, long-term capital gains. And long-term capital gains come from holding something for longer than a year. Um, So like you mentioned, Pete, that could be uh, a house, if you buy a rental property or you buy even your primary residence and you know you purchase it for 200 and you sell it for 300 and that's over then longer than a one year time span, then you would owe capital gains on 100,000. Now there are some exclusions and different things to be thinking about. So I think a better example would probably be you buy a stock and that stock goes up over time. And then when you sell it in the future, you owe capital gains on the gain portion of it. Uh, Another thing to be thinking about, though, is how are these assets held? If they're held within an IRA or some other type of tax-deferred account, whether that be an annuity or something along those lines, those gains within the account don't get taxed until you take money out. Whereas what we're talking about here with capital gains are after-tax or non-qualified money. So that's not something that would be tax-deferred like a retirement plan is. Okay. Um, buy and sell something, then you owe taxes on it. And that would be capital gains. Okay. All right. And so we have short-term gains. They can be taxed as ordinary income. And we're used, we're talking about gains, but you can also have losses. You could sell something as a loss. So if you have short-term losses, those losses can be used against some of your long-term gains. And so that can reduce your total net gain. But you're absolutely right. You can have gains and we can actually have losses. So in some cases, we can uh, report less income with some losses, but let's kind of go through the gain. So we're going to have taxable gain. And the important distinction here is they're taxed differently than the ordinary income rate. So I guess in a matter of speaking, you still have a little bit of a waterfall there, don't you? But capital gain, long-term capital gain rates are not ordinary income or they're not taxed like ordinary income. And that's why we call them long-term capital gains. So how are, talk a little bit about how that's taxed. 
Yeah, that's a great point to bring up. And that's really why it matters, quite honestly, whether something is a short term or a long term capital gain, um, because that's going to determine the brackets that you're looking at. So whereas normal income, you have um, your 10 percent bracket, 12, 22, 24, 32, and you go up from there. Mm -hmm. uh, capital gains rates are actually zero uh, percent to start, depending on how much your income is. Okay. And then it starts into a 15% tax after that. Um, okay. It'll get up into higher earning uh, levels. It'll get up into to 20%. And sometimes there's a little bit of extra tax added onto that, depending on your specific situation. But generally, that's how that works. So in the same way that you waterfall with your earned income, capital gains works the same way, except it goes zero. 15% is really the where most people, I would say, fall into. Um, mm -hmm. And then for your higher earners, they could be up into that 20% long-term rate as well. Yeah. And I think those numbers are in the neighborhood of like 501,000. If you're over that, your taxable income, uh, then you're paying 20% uh, capital gains taxes. And then like I said, most people, we're going to, let's just talk today about what if you were in a 15% bracket. Uh, there is uh, an additional tax for some taxpayers once they go over 250000 And let's not get into the weeds of that there too much. So there are some additional taxes, and I don't think we really have the time to, to get too deep in the weeds on that. But in our example of the person who was in the 22% bracket, we were saying their effective rate was 15%. But what we're saying here is that person could be, uh, if some of that income was capital gain, they might only be paying 15% where they were paying you know, in 22 or getting into 24%, right? So we're looking at capital gain rates of 15%. And so that's a real advantage to, uh, to realizing capital gains. Yeah, that's exactly right. If someone was up into that 24% bracket, that capital gain uh, number, if it's long-term, is going to be added on top of whatever those other earned income sources are. So that's an important thing to think about. If it's only an asset that's being held short-term, you could be paying 24 or possibly up even into you know 32% or higher. Uh, whereas if you were, had the time that to hold it a year, you were able to hold on to it for a year or longer, uh, you'd then be in that 15 or maybe 20%, but most likely, you know, 15% bracket, which is a big difference. I mean, if you're talking to 32 down to 15, that's less than half of the income that you'd be recognizing uh, or as taxes rather. Um, so yeah, that's definitely an important thing to be thinking about and looking at what all of your total income sources are to understand where you fall among those different brackets there. Okay. And something we haven't really touched on in this is that you're in control of a capital gain. You decide when you're going to sell an asset. There are certain types of investments that will spin out a capital gain, uh, but in general terms, in the context of what we're talking about is we have an asset that's appreciated and we are contemplating selling it. And so we are considering putting ourselves or realizing or recognizing a gain, and therefore that's, that becomes taxable on our return. So what do we do about it? You know, we're, we're financial planners and we sit down with folks and we you know, we just don't talk about investments. We talk about life, purpose, and all of those things, and taxes. And and so, you know, some of the things we can do. We, you know, some of the things that we've experienced are you know, someone who knows they have a big purchase they're going to make, and they are are trying to you know stay in one of those lower brackets. You, like you said, you're going from a twelve percent bracket 
to a 22% bracket. So, you know, that's a bigger difference than going from 22 to 24. So someone who might be in a situation where uh, they don't have a, a, a high level of income and they want to take a, make a big car purchase or do something, maybe they could spill that into two different years. Maybe if they are going to do a, a home improvement project. And so then we're doing a timing. That'd be like your IRA distribution. We're doing a little bit of timing as to when that comes out. And then the other thing is, in some cases, you have deductions against income. And again, we're not going to get too much into the weeds, but there are certain items or certain gears where you may have more tax deductions. And so if you have more tax deductions, that could be a year where you want to make some of those distributions, uh, say from an IRA or something like that, because you're going to be able to get more money out of the account and use the deduction to reduce your total income and therefore keep that income in a lower bracket. So those are some of the things that you can do and prepare. So that's comes down to, do you want to do something toward the end of the year and the beginning of the year? Uh, it's at a year where you know you have a lot of deductions. Uh, do you want to accelerate income into that year? They're the kind of conversations that you want to be thinking about. But we also, uh, you know, we look at needing to rebalance a portfolio or sometimes we have, uh, you know, someone who brings an investment portfolio to us and it's just not working right. And we don't feel it's in the best places. And we need to make some changes or recommend some changes. And we're going to realize some gain to do that. So tell us a little bit about the process you go through, Brian. You take a look, you do a great job of looking through an account and seeing where there's opportunities and some things we want to keep and some things we want to sell and we want to take into account capital gains. So kind of walk us through that process a little bit. Yeah, so what I call or my name for what you're talking about here is a uh, keep sell. And really what we're doing, there's a few different important inputs into this. But I think one thing that you said uh, just a second ago was that we we're always thinking about the purpose. And that's really my number one driving factor when I go into these situations where I'm trying to make a decision on whether we should be continuing to hold something or maybe it is time to get rid of a position or introduce something new, what it really comes down to is what is the purpose of the funds that we're talking about here? So a few different things that you could be thinking about there, are what's the time period as far as when I plan to spend this money? Is it 12 months from now? Is it five years? Or is it really just investments that I want to let run for some time in the future? Um, so that's an important input into that. And then outside of that is, well, what is the tax ramifications of making any changes within an account? And so what Pete and I are discussing here are uh, after-tax or non-qualified accounts, which like we were saying earlier is different than an IRA or anything like that. Um, but we, what we want to be making a decision on is how much of capital gain are we willing to recognize and mm -hmm. once we can get our head wrapped around that, and we also understand the purpose of the account, then we can have an educated decision on weighing out the risk characteristics of maybe what's in the portfolio now versus where we would be moving it to, and also trying to understand what the ramifications are tax-wise. So there's a few different things that come into play there, but it's not just, okay, well, we don't want to own this and we do want to own something else in the future. Um, we want to make sure that we are making the decision in a the most informed way. So whether that be because of the tax purposes or because of what we want the money to be doing for us, um, there's a few different things that we need to be thinking about in that situation. Okay. And that, that makes a lot, you know, and that, like you said, as you're looking on some cases, we have positions that, uh, you know, have embedded gains 
And, uh, and so therefore we know we're going to realize gains, but sometimes positions come over and they're at a loss or, or maybe some portion of it, uh, some block of shares could be sold as a loss. So we're getting the opportunity to offset that. And, and I like what you said is we come to a determination as to, you know, what we could and, and may ultimately like to be able to do to make changes to an, a portfolio. And then we have to have a conversation about whether or not we want to recognize that much gain. And if we do, what it's going to look like on the tax return. And so uh, I think that's, you know, at that point, then it comes down to, to preparation. So some of the things that we like to do, we, uh, you know, we'll take a look at a tax return. We'll, uh, uh, you know, imagine what if you did this on last year's tax return? And so it gives us a good idea of if last year was kind of normal, I'm going to realize a little more gain here because this is a good move with the portfolio, but we're going to do it as you've gone through with your uh, keep sell process. We've we've done that in the most tax efficient manner that we can. And so then that's a gain. And so it comes down to preparation. If we do something like that, do we know that's okay, I've accepted that and that's a good move, but it's also going to mean I'm going to owe some taxes and I'm going to be prepared for that. And that's what we like to do is, and that's one of the things we always try to, to look at a tax return and keep that on file. And that's something I think is very important in the planning process is that there are years that can be different and we can either you know, cause that difference or, or know something's going to be different. Uh, like in the example, it may be a year we have a lot of medical deductions. That might be here to think about taking a little more out of the IRA. So we want to constantly look over that, that tax return. And I think if I could kind of summarize uh, what, as I was listening to you, Brian, the realizing gains isn't a bad thing. I mean, I, I years and years ago, I wish I could remember who said it, but he, someone said to me, you know, if you're if you're paying taxes, you're making money. So, you know, if we had a gain, we we want to do that efficiently. We don't want to just realize taxes for no no good reason. But you've kind of shared an example of where you're making a reallocation, and so realizing those gains isn't a bad thing. Paying taxes isn't a bad thing, uh, but we want to do that in a manner where we're doing it as efficiently as possible, paying as little tax as we possibly can, recognizing, looking forward some years in the future, uh, you know, maybe RMDs are going to start coming out and you're going to have more income in the future, whether you want to or not. And so that's where we want to talk about, should we be doing some, some of these things sooner uh, because of the tax brackets that you talked about, do we want to realize some of these gains because it's going to make make a little more sense at this stage of life? So it's really coming back down to purpose, and then we come back to uh, uh, you know back to tax efficiency. Before I wrap up, Brian, is there anything you didn't say about taxes or anything you feel is 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 important to to share? Uh, you you always you always catch me in something like my joint versus singles. So what did we miss here? <laughs> No, I don't think there's anything that mixed, uh, was missed. I just want to echo that last point because I think that that's important for what you brought up. Oftentimes, we have people that have to pay a tax and they believe that you know they shouldn't or there's something along those lines. I mean, it's just it's never fun to you know owe money at the end of the year or realize you're not getting a refund that you may think you should have been getting. And it was especially different, uh, difficult rather at the start of this year as well, because people were in tax season and it was a during a time period or it's still during a time period here where the markets in general are just, you know, struggling along a little bit. And so we're paying tax at the same time period when we're seeing portfolio values going through some volatility. And I think it's just important to make sure that we're sticking to the long-term goals and the long-term perspective of what we have going on 
anyone that's been invested for a while has been through different market cycles and understand things go up and down. And along with that comes taxes. So it's just, you know, don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up over paying some tax. It's part of life. It's part of being an investor and uh, don't lose sight of the longer term. I'll just leave you with that. Yep. No, absolutely. That's a great point. Like I always tell you, you know, people, if you look at your statement, that's what it's worth, but you have to think about it's not worth that when you put it in your pocket. And that's okay. Like you said, that's part of life. Exactly. And it's the net mo- net number you put in your pocket that matters the most. Right. So well, well, thanks for thanks for walking us through that, Brian, and sharing those examples. And uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us on this episode of Tell Your Boss I Quit. And uh, if you want to reach Brian or myself, it's our first first name le- dot last name at RaymondJames.com. So Peter.gutekunst at RaymondJames.com and Brian.henderson at RaymondJames.com. You can also find us and more about Goot Financial Services at our website, GootFinancial.com, G-U-T-E Financial.com. And uh, also uh, we have our book, Tell Your Boss I Quit. If you'd like to grab a copy, Tell Your Boss I Quit book.com. And you can uh, see if you can pick up a copy of our book. Uh, It's also available on Amazon. And one last thing, just if you like what you hear here, come back and listen to us again, like, follow, share, let people know we're here. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Tell Your Boss I Quit. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. To learn more about defining your financial purpose, and how you can thrive and not sacrifice your spending in retirement. Download Tell Your Boss I Quit by Pete Goodekinst. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc., Goot Financial Services is not a broker, dealer, and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. 